is the collective nightmares podcast we are sociologists who talk horror movies my name is marshall smith and i love horror movies i am steeped in them right now horror movies are really either fun for me as as escapism in the time of covid or else they are a way for me to wallow in the depravity of humanity and all its cruelty and and terribleness and for whatever reason sometimes that makes me feel better (laughs) i like that marshall (laughs) i'm laura patterson marshall and i both have our phds in sociology from the university of colorado boulder and i like horror films well for a lot of reasons but in this particular case And I feel like this comes up with the horror genre more than it does with other genres. Granted, that's a lot of what I put my time into. Um, But I feel like horror films often serve as really effective therapy (laughs) for me. (laughs) So this film, these films uh, in particular did give me something to think about for a while because horror films talk about how we should be and they point out good and bad. And a lot of that can also be reflected back on ourselves as pointing out our own flaws. And so, yeah, I really, I enjoy the genre because uh, it gives a lot of food for thought around what kind of person we should or shouldn't be. Okay. For this episode, we watched Creep and Creep 2, both written by Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass and both directed by Patrick Bryce. We deal with them both. The synopsis for Both films is identical on IMDb. A young videographer answers an online ad for a one-day job in a remote town to record the last messages of a dying man. When they notice the man's odd behavior, they start to question his intentions. So yeah, written, directed by Bryce and Duplass and starring them both as well in, in the first film at least. And then in the second film, in Creep 2... The cast is rounded out with Desiree Akavan. And I think that's worth mentioning because she is, I thought was, was a crucial addition for the sequel. Spoilers for the two films. The one with Richard Gere. <laughs> Spoiler for Primal Fear, baby. Yes. <laughs> uh, which is an extraordinary film. Was Ed Norton's breakout role. If you could believe it, in 1996. Oh, it's Gregory Hoblet, uh, who's a wonderful director. Um, 1996, 20, 24 years ago. So if you haven't watched that, <laughs> you're, you, you missed your window. We're going to spoil it for you here. <laughs> That's really it, right? I think that was it, yeah. All right, our, our entire catalog of episodes is available for free on collectednightmares.com. Like us, subscribe to us, send us an email or message us on Instagram at collectednightmares. And do you have anything? 
No, and I was just thinking it's so hard how you've taken this task on every time. I'm really impressed by you because your brain works better in that way. I'm always really like the gears turn really slowly and I'm trying really hard to think of something and then you usually bust out something at least vaguely. Okay. No, you did, but you had you had a total winner. What? Either the episode before or the one before that. I do remember the feeling of satisfaction. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember which <laughs> I movie think it was, right. but it was totally a, just a total home run for you. Um, Give us a listen. Yeah, we we promise we won't hurt you, even though we've been filming you naked for the last six months. <laughs> it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I promise. I'm a good person. Beautiful, lovely. Okay. Well, thank you for agreeing to watch these. I feel like independently, each one was a fairly short commitment, but together and especially in one day, that was that was a bit more. And when I was watching them, I thought. I don't think this is Marshall's kind of movie at all, but it so resonated with a certain set of psychological problems I have that I was just <laughs> drawn in and super engaged the whole time. And I kept thinking about it for days afterwards. I was like, oh, this just, it spoke to me. <laughs> and I don't think it's going to have spoken to you, but maybe that's the first question I want to ask you. I'm curious what your take is because, well, because I know my take. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought they were fine. I have some appreciation for, for like, I think you said doing something minimal. I would have been much more impressed by that if, maybe I'll start with that. So with a little bit of context for folks, I absolutely loved Blair Witch. Um, if we're going to start there. Uh, I saw it before it was, I saw it very early before it was like the cat was out of the bag. I walked in totally cold. It was one of the best horror movie experiences of my life. And it's really sad to me now that it has become this like cliche. I thought paranormal activity was extraordinary. I think that's fantastic. Give a little bit of credit to, to cannibal Holocaust for starting the found footage genre 40 years earlier. Since then, I cannot think of a found footage film that I have enjoyed. In fact, other than those two, I can't, I don't even know what, I started to watch Unfriended, which people have said is, is good, and I believe it's good. I like uh, whatever his name is, who stars in it. There's even that Black Mirror episode that's all like POV, kind of, where it's like, uh, record your life, and I don't even remember. I didn't finish watching it, because I struggle with that. So this was like, fine. The first one, I had zero engagement with whatsoever. It was a sheer force of will to just even sit through it. The second one was more interesting, for sure. She, I just looked up her name, the actress, Katavon, something? Desiree Akavon? Akavon? I don't know how you say it. Desiree Akavon. She... I had interest and I intrigue with her. And I think, so then a little bit, the last bit of context I'll give is the last film that Laura really pushed, <laughs> I think. No, that wasn't, that's not true at all. No, no, no scratch all that. Um, the last film where, or or when Laura sort of suggested this to me as like, I don't know if this, this isn't a film you're going to resonate with you. The more, the recent example of that was Come to Daddy where, we had this just total divide. I had some sort of real visceral, inexplicably, inexplicable, 
distaste for the film just really rejected it outright. I didn't have that here, but particularly the first film, I think my major complaint is I just didn't care. I had no reason to care. I never cared. It was like watching, it was like looking at pictures of somebody's vacation. Like if you just found a photo album on the street, like Disneyland, like some terrible place that everybody's been to or a million people have been to. And I would just like, I'm not going to look at some photo album. Of, I don't even look at pictures of people that I love. I don't even look at, I, I give Laura, I give her, if I see her in person or when I used to see her in person, I tell her, I'll look at three pictures of your kid. You get three pictures. That's it. That's all I care about. Choose wisely. And then we need to move on to whatever else is going on. You know, whatever else we're going to do. You can still talk about them, but I'm not just going to sit and look at pictures of someone or it's like looking at pictures of babies. My mom just went through this whole thing of, of making me dig up and get her back into Facebook. So she, she could see pictures of basically newborn twins that one of my cousins had or second cousin, I don't know, whatever. And I pulled the picture up and she looked at it and she was like, I don't know. She sort of looked to me for some sort of reaction. I was like, I don't care. There are two other babies look like every baby I've ever seen in my life. I don't care. And that's I'm totally- still going to, I have to interject here and say that Marshall, however, you still took on a regular basis and shared pictures of your kittens as though they were somehow more interesting than every other fucking cat in the entire world. And when I send you pictures of my kitten, which I do probably more often than pictures of my son, because I do try to select those so that they will actually engage you, you consistently seem just really thrilled to get the pictures of the cat. Now, maybe I'm misreading that, but I think there could just be some sort of anti-human thing going on with you because you are drawn toward pictures of cuteness when they look just like every other creature if they are not human, or at least if they are cat. I'm guilty of sharing cat pictures. I would like to think that I do better than other cat owners, but maybe not. I would have to look at how many cat pictures I've actually sent you. I do enjoy seeing your cat pictures. I'm thinking of being at your house sometime, again, back in like the pre-COVID world, and we were sitting on the couch or something and your cat is doing something looking just like a very normal cat and you like stopped whatever conversation we were having so you could get the phone lined up right so you could get a cute picture of it and i just thought this is so strange this is marshall (laughs) what is he doing what is he doing i don't Um, mind i don't mind cat pictures i just i just thought it was funny okay that's fair that's all fair and all that aside i still just never cared and i think with the second film well one i just thought she was a much more dynamic, interesting, or just there's some, she had charisma at a level that this other, whoever, Duplass, whatever his name is, whatever he had, to the point where I actually was also more impressed with the first film, thinking that it was someone like Paranormal Activity, who was a total outsider. And I looked up and he's like, Mr. He's has like 10 credits in Hollywood in front of the screen, behind the screen. He's got this whole career. And I was like, this guy, if this were some dude like park, you know, in the middle of flyover country, and this is what they pulled together, I was going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, you're making the best of it. And I was like, he's a fucking actor, like a real, you know, a legit has movies, credits and all this. I had no affinity for him. Yes, he was weird, but he didn't strike me as any better of an actor. I, I had no interest in him any more than a community theater. Not, which not just, I love me some community theater, but 
I don't expect a level of acting. I think for her, for Akavan, it was just that much more profound. Because in, in fact, the two in the beginning, the first film, I didn't care about either one of them at all. But we never even, we didn't even get any backstory. So even if that was some gender bias with me or something, which is a consideration I had, particularly given the come to daddy thing. Cat bias, with, gender bias. <laughs> sure, right, cat bias. But at least with, uh, with uh, Sarah, we had a little bit. We had something, just even, it was two minutes or whatever it was, but it was something to give us some sort of foothold of why we might care or, or at least what her motivation was. Or, And they didn't even do that with, uh, I want to say his name is Ethan, but that's not it. Who's the? Aaron. No, the other person in the first one. Aaron. No, no, no. Not the killer. No, I know. So in the second one, it was Aaron and Joseph in the first film. Aaron was the victim. Oh, Joseph was the and killer. Then took, and then oh. he took Aaron's name in the second film. I see. You're right. Yes. So anyway, I didn't hate it. Uh, I, I would have been, I would have actually been impressed if they were outsiders and had pulled this together. The second one I thought was most more interesting. I do appreciate still some or I still have some appreciation for like the minimalism. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm very curious to hear what, I, I will also say this one more thing, which you introduced is I was never scared. Not even remotely, not nothing, not even Sarah. I get her. Cause I'd never once had any sense of fear when it came to Aaron or whatever the fuck his name was, or Joseph or whatever. He was creepy. So creep is a good name. He was like weird in a way of like, I would not have stayed because I, because who would? And they tried to kind of explain that away, but whatever. Go ahead. Please. Sorry. I know that was all over the place, but I literally just finished watching it before we connected. And so it's, I'm kind of scattered still. I know. I'm glad you did because like I said, I want to know who I'm talking to here and what you thought around it before I kind of (laughs) launch into my thing. The first one I found to be really scary, really scary. And now that was also a night that I had a a sort of strange parent mortality scare that night that I remember texting you about. And so it may have been that, like I was in a weird place that night anyway, but I thought the first one was scary to the point of evoking memories of being in high school and going to see this almost feels embarrassing to say in the like long trajectory of horror films that I've seen. But I remember seeing Scream in the theater and thinking it was like so scary and just being terrified in the theater and having this feeling in the pit of my stomach, anxiety, I guess, from the film and wondering, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I watching this? I did not, I will say on the subsequent viewing more recently, we went back and revisited Scream and I did not feel that way in watching Scream. So I don't know if that's just because it was the time period or because I was 16 or whatever it is. But this brought me back to that, the first film. And that's really rare. So that was an interesting experience throughout it. I found the found footage element to be clunky at best. It didn't make sense. Parts of it did, like I got the whole documentary thing or whatever, but it just didn't, it didn't fit and make sense the way things like Paranormal Activity or Blair Witch, when they've used found footage well, there's a, it fits into the story in a way that just didn't happen here. So I, I immediately had to 
sort of suspension of disbelief around the found footage aspect. But for some reason, I was just completely pulled in and scared for Aaron. And you're right. He didn't have personality. He wasn't, he wasn't someone we really knew anything about, but I was scared for him the whole time. And what resonated with me throughout the film, the first film, was that there were places where Aaron should have known better. And sure, that's an element of like every slasher film we watch. I mean, that's like a common horror trope, like the victim should know better. But in this case, I felt like they did a good job of pinning down. He should have known better, but he seemed to want to believe, what was his name? Uh, I guess Joseph in the first film. He seemed to want him, Aaron seemed to want to believe Joseph and want to believe that he was a good person. And so all these things that should have been warning signs just weren't. And the biggest element of that was when they were sitting in the diner and Joseph shows them the pictures, right? And that should be super creepy and it should be really disturbing. But I, I found myself empathizing with Aaron in a way that I was being very like, critical of myself in viewing this film, thinking, I absolutely think somebody could get away with that with me. They could just bust out some weird pictures they had taken of me that are completely not normal and not okay. And anybody's like red flag should start going up. And I would think, oh, they're just a little bit weird. And I've always had an affinity for weird. And look, they're trying to really connect and they're trying to be honest and they're trying to come clean on this thing that looks strange. And I would get sucked right into that. And so I was judging myself in Aaron's shoes throughout most of the first film that was somewhat minimal because I wouldn't say that was like a highlight of the experience. The highlight of the experience for me, honestly, was just that I was scared. But at the end, when the film culminates with Joseph axing Aaron in the back of the head, and then we see Joseph watching the footage and saying he was so trusting, he just didn't believe that I could possibly have hurt him. You know, and the, and the fact obviously then that, that Aaron got that video from Joseph that looked so sincere and got sucked right back in. I thought this is an indictment of my personality. And I appreciated that. Like, I appreciated the fact that I could see myself getting that DVD. I would like to say I wouldn't be quite this crazy or this extreme, but the, the moral of the story still holds for me. I could see myself getting it and thinking, oh, look, this is, I mean, yes, he maybe did some things that were wrong and bad and creepy and whatever, but like, he's trying to come clean and he, oh, he's just being a, a good person. He's, you know, he's a little bit weird, but he's trying to connect and whatever. And I could see myself just, I, I don't think I would have shown up at the lake. I don't think I would have, but I'm not sure enough that I wouldn't have that I wasn't just super critical of myself. And like, I, I appreciated that from the film. I appreciated just getting a slap in the face for being stupid, which is absolutely a way I need to be checked. So I, I enjoyed it. After the first one, I wasn't arguing that we should podcast about it because it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it because I was scared the whole time. Like I said, I don't know how much of that came out of my own just emotional state at the time. And I liked that somebody who had my number just told, told me I'm stupid. And I appreciated that because I am. And I like to hear that sometimes. So that was kind of fun. But the second one, I really, I really liked because I feel like they took that argument and they doubled down on it, at least in terms of my experience. You know, I wasn't scared in the second film at all. The first one, like I said, I was the entire film I was. The second film, not even a little bit. But I will admit, when the film started, or when we kind of tag onto Sarah and we're, we're going to go through this experience with her, I was thinking to myself, okay, I know that he's a problem now. And so if, to the extent that the first film kind of got me a little bit, as in I was maybe willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and think he wasn't a horrible scary serial killer. Now I know. 
And so this time I know, so this is going to be a very different experience because even if he starts trying to like manipulate her or something, I'm smarter than this. And look at me, I've learned my lesson from you, creep one. So when I'm watching creep two, this is going to be fine. And I recognized that I was a little bit in trouble when she walked in the door and he's making a smoothie and he had a ponytail and I'm kind of a sucker for ponytails. He was like a little bit sexy. I know. I, know I, shouldn't I, I shouldn't do that because I totally wear my hair in a ponytail, but still. <laughs> I just, I felt a little affinity for him when she walked in the door and I was like, no, Laura, he's a serial killer and you're not allowed to think that. And he's going to try to manipulate her and you just can't, you can't let it work. And over the course of the film, I found it to be a really fun experience for me because I was in her shoes and because I was a little bit attracted to him and didn't want to be, but kind of was. And so I felt like when she started doing his dishes and doing things that felt sort of domestic and it was a tiny bit like that between them, I could feel myself it, drifting into that and sort of enjoying it. I, I just was, I was constantly had this reel of self-criticism running throughout the film. And I think they botched the ending a tiny little bit, but I'll tell you how I want it to have ended based on the way it went and how it would have been a really, really, really cool indictment of me because probably the part where I was, I was most on board with the film or at least not on board with myself was when Sarah climbs into the hot tub with him. And I thought, I mean, I'm not sure I would have done it, but I'm not sure I wouldn't have done it. And like, what's wrong with you, Laura? <laughs> like, what's your problem, you know? And so at the end of the film, now granted, she doesn't think he's a serial killer. And, you know, he basically tells her at the end that he's not. And so we're watching her and her behavior is somewhat justified because she's decided, I guess, he's not an actual killer. But I, as viewer of the film, know he is. And I know he's lying at that point. And so I should be even more skeptical than she is. And when he starts talking about how they had such a nice day and whatever, I'm like a little bit, when she kisses him, I was... I could feel the part in me that wanted to say, you know, probably all he needs is a little bit of human connection. Every, you know, people have done bad things, but everybody is like, the inherent goodness of humanity should come through in every experience and every person. And maybe all he really needed was for someone to like love him and talk to him. And he might totally be telling the truth about never having kissed anybody. And, you know, maybe this could really be like a turning point, like their actual friendship or whatever it is. Maybe they'll end up in bed together. I didn't know if I would mind if they did. That might be a real turning point for his character. And then he won't need to kill people. And like, he could actually be good because everybody's good because goodness prevails. And I was a little bit feeling that way, even knowing that he was lying to her. And again, like I said, just being very critical of myself for all of that. And so when, when I thought the final scene of the film was, you know, when he gets in the grave and he stabs himself, I was bothered because I wanted them to get me again. I wanted them to do it again in the second film and just do it better. And that would have been a satisfying experience. And I thought, no, 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 he can't stab himself because if he stabs himself and then he actually dies, he kills himself for their whatever, then that means I was right. And I'm not right. I'm crazy. Like I know it. I know that the belief that everybody is inherently good and you can overcome all evil by just understanding someone and giving them a hug. I know it's not true, but I know I'm inclined that way anyway. And so I did not want that to be how it ended. That just would have been horrible if that's how it ended, because I don't need to be told that. I need to be told like, you know, wake up, Laura, the world is a scary, horrible place. Not yes, you should just believe this more. So that bothered me. But then when he starts trying to get her to stab herself, I thought, oh, this is so much better. Because what I wanted to happen was for her to actually believe him 
get totally sucked in, kill herself. And then he climbs back out because he like knew where to stab himself or whatever. And he's totally fine. And he did it again. And it's like he doubled down on what he did with Aaron, which is like, I'm going to find someone who just believes so strongly that I'm good, that even against all evidence coming out directly and saying I'm a serial killer, showing videos of it, try, you know, just being clearly a problem in a million different ways. She's still going to believe that we had this real connection, not because it's, it's, actually believable if you are skeptical at all about human connection, but because it's only somebody who just believes that strongly in the decency of every human being and is not weirded out by weirdness that would get sucked into this, which is exactly me. I, oh, I so wanted that to be how it ended. And I, I was confused at the end. I don't, if they had called it like that, that would have been great. I was okay even with the fact that she doesn't try to kill herself. I mean, if she had Yes, it maybe would have indicted me more, but I think also that wouldn't have really fit with her character. I, 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 I was okay if she didn't, but then I thought he needed to switch gears and just go and kill her because the whole point was to kill her, not to really be with her. And he was, this was all a lie about him loving her and whatever. And so it, I feel like it got a little bit messy at the end and I wasn't really sure what happened then with, you know, and when he crawled out and said, well, he wasn't going to die now, I, I wasn't clear if that was his point all along. You know, I just, the argument I wanted it to be making, I felt got muddied. And then with them on the subway at the end, I mean, that opens it up to maybe another one, but I just, I'm not sure what they were doing with that. But I will say when he had his line about trying to get her to kill herself, I thought whoever wrote this just is going after exactly the psychological problem I have. And I really appreciated that. And I really enjoyed the experience on top of the fact that it's just cool that it was written by... I don't remember their names. Was it Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass, the guys from the first film? They wrote it and then Bryce directed it. And then they both are basically the only people who starred in it, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the minimalism of that is, is cool. And the fact that, like I said, I was scared for the first one is cool. But what I really liked is that the, the sequel did to me what the first one did, but a hundred times over because I knew better and I knew better first of all from having seen the first movie and secondly from knowing he was actually lying and I was still part of me was still hoping that they were going to actually like connect and be best friends and he would stop killing people and they would just snuggle in their little cottage forever and be weird together and if it had ended by him killing her that way and being like come on you're stupid and you should have seen this coming it would have been a really great set of movies for somebody like me you on the other hand do not have that problem you don't get sucked into the inherent goodness of humanity to a point that it cripples you and makes you blind to warning signs that you should see. So because of that, I felt like that argument's probably not even going to register with Marshall because he's not got that problem to deal with. But for me, it was just, it was all over the place, just jabbing at my stupidity and doing it in a way that made me laugh often. Like it was kind of funny and I just, I super appreciated it for those reasons. I see all of that. I wouldn't call you stupid. I would call you naive or uh, I feel like there's another word that is, is like naivete with maybe that's in naive with like that optimism or that cluelessness. And I can't think of it, but yeah, that all sounds exactly like you. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, you know, I for in probably as many different ways as I thought I could do even remotely nicely, I've I've pushed you to not be as nice as you are for years, as long as I've known you, or at least as long as we since we've reconnected, if not before. I don't know if I remember before, probably not. But so I feel all that. I think the end still works because 
she was still being naive. And I don't know that he wasn't doing that anyway. Isn't that what he was doing anyway? Was totally scream. Stabbing himself in the where it wouldn't really kill him so that he could turn it around and kill her. And it was really just kind of a test of her, but he didn't really think she would do it. We don't know, but I, I kind of hear what you're saying. I don't have any idea what the subway thing was about. I don't get it. Except I think she was wearing his necklace. And that was the only part I really liked in that scene. I'm pretty sure she had his necklace on. The and if she air- did, then that, that carries that on a little bit, that she felt they really had this connection. I wanted her to believe it, and I wanted that to be her downfall, and I wanted him to have been lying the entire time and not have any connection at all and just being tending to kill her. The Aaron and Joseph necklace or a different... See, I, I thought so. I don't think it's Aaron. I thought it was a round. I didn't think it... And I thought it was gold or bronze or copper or whatever. I didn't think it was silver and I didn't think it was a heart. Oh, well, if it's not, then that's too bad. I, when I saw it, I thought it was. Even still, I don't understand who's holding the camera. So I assumed it was whatever his name is, Duplass, because he's whistling the tune that he whistled earlier. Right, but so he's not dead? Or that was supposed to be a flashback to before all of this? I thought he wasn't dead. I mean, we don't really have verification that he was. We know she got away, I guess. No, you know what? And I'm going to say he's not dead because they intend to do another creep. So I think that means he wasn't dead. Yeah, but they could do another creep, which is what I was going to say is, or maybe I should have started with that is I feel like this is like a human centipede thing where based on in the third one, they could either pull this all together or this could all really just devolve into navel gazing, ego stroking, useless throwaway because Duplass and Bryce think they're a lot more impressive than they are. <laughs> or they could, uh, unlike the human centipede, they could, uh, they could tie it all together. Cause my thought was, well, if she now decides that she's going to be, the killer, then, then there's could be something there. There's tons of things she could do, but she could decide like, instead of hiring somebody to be the videographer, I'm still going to do this encounter shit, but I'm going to go kill these people. There's just a lot of things that could be done that don't need to involve Aaron, Joseph, whatever his name is. And I didn't even think of that. That's possible. And it would maybe fit in with the fact that when Aaron Joseph, whatever, told the story about how he became a serial killer, which may or may not be true, he essentially reenacted that type of scene at the end with her. And so the whole thing about him gaining power and deciding he wanted to go that way, she could, I suppose, then take that path. And from the first film, we do know that he killed Aaron from the first film, the the videographer, the the naive person. So it just would seem like in the second film, he gets killed. He faked the, like, hanging, but I don't think he faked the stabbing. She hits him with a shovel. There's blood on the screen. But, I, yeah, so that's what I didn't understand was what that was supposed to be with who's holding the camera. It's his whistle, song, whatever. She's looking in dead at it, at whoever it is holding the camera. And, I, I mean, yes, it's totally just meant to be a teaser for, uh, for the third film. But... I have to say it it raised those questions. I absolutely they should not have included it. 
they should have, or put it at a post credit scene or release it as a trailer a month after the first film is. Cause all it does is just muck up the first film. And if you release it as a teaser trailer, it, you still get the hype out of it. Do you really need the hype? You've already got two films and, and big stars attached to it. I don't know. I'm just going to kind of ignore that last post hit with the shovel scene. I also really struggled with, I know it was on their only 80 minute movies, but, but with both of them, I really struggled with how long they were. I don't think they had 80 minutes worth. And when I say I was struggling with it, it was because I thought, okay, you need some time to, to kind of lull the audience and you need some, some points where you need a gradual build to weirdness or to threat or whatever. But I still don't think they had 80 minutes of it. And that, irritated me as well so then i was thinking could this actually have just been a short and you know i think so i only think they had ideas for a short my suspicion is that especially having just been editing producing this zach parker my inclination is that they're going to make creep three and if you took the actual content you could probably cut those all into one 80 minute film like scalene that covers three different trajectories and it would actually be like okay this is good we'll see you know we'll see but but that was my thing because all the dream stuff and all the like water metaphor i don't think had anything to do with anything i don't think that was true in the first film i don't think that was true in the second film he had nightmares none of that meant anything partly because we didn't know him and partly because it just didn't. And so that was all seemed like filler. It just, and it's so, it's funny too, because, because kind of like you were saying, like for me, Blair Witch was a terrifying film experience. And Paranormal Activity was also really an excellent in terms of like, I was scared. I was aggravated. I was super frustrated because it was totally a classic girlfriend wants to leave and the guy makes up all this bullshit and like so you had to suspend the disbelief of like just leave the goddamn house like it doesn't matter go stay in a hotel so you had to get over to all that but with this my like you said i don't i'm trying to think if the film would have worked better if it weren't uh like you said it was clunky with the found footage the point of view and i'm thinking of happy death day which we saw at mile high and it's the looping where it's like Groundhog Day, but with a murder. Oh my God. Did I see it? I, I can't imagine you didn't. I think I saw it twice. I think I saw it and then we went. I don't know. I'm totally drawing a blank right now. All right. Well, anyway, that could have been a found footage film, but it wasn't. And I think it was much better that it wasn't. And I was trying to think if this would have been a better film if it were just uh, just made as a movie. Why don't we just watch these two guys go through this? And it would make sense to have it be found footage if they were, again, Hollywood outsiders that had no, or, or just people that didn't have resources, but they do. I, I just, it just didn't. And so, but at the same time, I do want to acknowledge that 
in the midst of this is end of August 2020 in the midst of the idiocy of COVID-19 my suspension of disbelief window has been blown wide open (laughs) which we've talked about this well obviously people wouldn't do that or obviously people would do this just has gone out the window because we now know that obviously people would do everything that's ever been done in a horror movie that's stupid as fuck and dumber shit. (laughs) So if Joseph Aaron, whatever is, is screening people who are naive and whatever by just posting some random Craigslist ad and seeing who signs up and then giving them kind of a chance to, uh, to cut out, but they don't, Maybe that's plausible. Maybe there's enough self-selection in that that, sure, you would end up with these numbskulls who are like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll do I'll, whatever you're doing. I'll just go along with it and keep going along with it. I, that helps me. I think the second film as well, we, had a, we have a better motivation. She is pushing the social media she is invested in that she has this show she's already been willing she, she's she has like you she has an affinity for the weird he is who he is maybe he's a killer maybe he's not even if he is it's a it's an opportunity even still the second one was made what 14 i think it was 14 and 17 oh, i think the first 17? was 14 <sighs> Again, so I struggle with the suspension of disbelief because 90% of the women I know, particularly in that age group, 90 plus, if they're even just going on a Tinder date, will text a friend, hey, this is who I'm going, where I'm going, and this is who it is. And if you haven't heard from me, do this or call me or whatever. And for her not to do any of that is a level of naivete that I just struggled with immediately. I didn't hate them. I, I I feel like they're very forgettable. Unless they really tie something together. I don't know. I wish there were some greater metaphor. They had... They, and then when you look at... And then when I start looking at unutilized potential, there's huge opportunities for... What is the cost you're willing to pay for art? What is the... What are the ethics of filming someone who wants to kill themselves so that you can get likes or viewers on a YouTube or, and I mean, none of it, none of that was even remotely touched on or discussed or, or anything. And we don't even ever go back to her and how she feels. Did she post it as her final episode? knowing that this all happened. And I really, I thought for sure at that closing scene, it was going to be like somebody who saw this and is now a fan of hers and is like stalking her. I mean, there's another cool opportunity for the third, but they don't tell us any of that. So none of that, all that's rendered moot, but we don't even get, at least in the first one, we get the final wrap up where we pull away from him watching the DVD and he puts it in his catalog like Dexter with his blood drop, you know? And it's like, oh yeah, he's been doing this for however many times. And and then there, you know, there's other opportunities in the second one for banality of evil, of 
yeah, you know, okay, great. You're one more person who killed somebody and filmed it. Okay. That we see that on the internet. That's all over. And she's unfazed by it. There could be a whole different discussion of, okay, they do give a little line of like, well, we could just make another pedantic documentary and splice all my footage together and it's like, well, or you could decide you're going to team up and she's now going to get complicit and you're going to go get a new victim and she's going to film it all. And we're going to meta and double, you know, and instead of doubling down on this, so instead of, so in the film where you're dismissing this pedantic documentary opportunity, what you've done is make a pedantic horror film. <laughs> and I don't think, <laughs> all right, that's all. I was, thank you for letting me get that all jumped out. I agree with you in terms of overall societal impact or ideological intricacies or any type of real deep nuanced discussion. It really didn't go there. And I also agree that there was potential for it for sure. And so there are holes where that could have happened a whole lot. But the reason I really liked it, my experience of it was positive is two things. One, the first one really did scare me. And I don't know if that was the time that night that it was just the right time to watch it or not, but I haven't had that experience in so long that that was kind of cool. And secondly, the movie, for anyone listening who maybe listens and thinks, oh, I'm like Laura, (laughs) you know, that kind of makes sense. The types of things she says resonate with me. That person might really like this film because I found myself, it's like a good therapy session for the next week, you know, there's a little nugget of something that you're more aware of in your behavior or you have a, you have something to latch onto. And I found myself thinking back to this film for really the next week or so after watching it and being on a run in the morning. And I would just get the scene of what's his name, Aaron, I guess, at the pancake place and seeing the little, the pictures that Joseph took of him. And I would get this little knot in my stomach of like, Oh, right that exact behavior. (laughs) That's a thing I have. And and I just wanted to be more aware of it and think about it more and wonder how it's impacting other parts of my life. And exactly like when you leave therapy and you've just got a nugget that you're kind of chewing on for that week. These films absolutely did that to me in a way that was really fun and useful for me. And in terms of overall impact, I don't necessarily think that's a huge contribution to the societal discussion. I don't know how many people fall into the shoes I am in. And I don't think they did it. I don't know how to say it. I think for the amount of airtime they had and the amount of space that they could have made that argument, if that's really the argument they were making, it was fairly minimal. By the end of the second one, if the the second one had ended with a punch the way I thought it was going to, that could have really done it for the second one. The first one, it felt minor. I noticed myself occasionally watching something that Aaron was doing and being bothered by it because I thought I might do it too. And I didn't like that. And that feeling kept me engaged. Like I was very interested in the interpersonal dynamic between the two of them, not necessarily because either character was super fascinating, but because I was in the movie, I felt like my own personality was being discussed. And so that kept me interested in the second one. It, it did that more kind of, but then like I said, the fact that I think they kind of dropped the ending. I also, I looked up something about the film. I think it was, I wanted to see what their involvement, the two of them in it was or something. Anyway, I was Googling that and I saw one of them saying that they thought the second film didn't, or it came together really well for compared to how it could have because the way the editing was done or the way they shot a bunch of pieces and, you know, it sounded like it was put together in a bit of a haphazard way. And they were, I guess, 
thought it came out fairly well, or maybe actually one of them was saying they were kind of critical of it. I don't remember, but it didn't sound super intentional, I guess is what I'm saying. It didn't sound like this was exactly what we wanted. And so for all those reasons, I don't think that it made that argument the best way it could have, or I'm not going to hold this up as a shining example of what that argument is, because that could still be a, a really good and useful societal impact. But I, for my own personal experience, I just found it to be useful and generate a lot of thought for the next week. And that's cool. When a film does that, that's cool. And I really enjoyed it. Like I actually, I found the first one, like I said, scary. And the second one, I was interested in the argument because I thought they were talking about me, I guess. So I don't know. I think they are worth putting on people's radar. And I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're universally excellent. I don't think they're necessarily going to engage everyone the way they engaged me. But I think for what they did, it was kind of cool. And I can't think of an example of a horror film where that was the hook, where, where that was the intention of the killer. And I appreciated that. Like I said, just because that's an argument I need to hear. And so it was kind of cool to see a film directed at exactly at that. Wait, where, where the intention of the killer was to show someone they're being naive? Yeah. Where what he wanted to do was rope someone in in that way. I mean, there's times where it happens inadvertently. You know, I think in like in a slasher film, right? People run up the stairs and they shouldn't and then they die or something. But it's not statedly the intention of the killer. Like he got off on getting people to opt in and believe him when he was completely lying and completely manipulating them. And all he had to do with certain people, all he had to do was pretend to be really emotionally present and they would just assume that he was good. And that's cool. I thought that was a neat angle that I hadn't seen before. I mean, primal fear, but. (sighs) Was that Richard Gere? And Ed Norton? That was a hundred years ago. It was. Norton's breakout role. He plays the innocent, naive farm boy right up until the last scene where he gets off, where Gear gets him off, and then he's like, I really fucking love killing that bastard or whatever he says. This is vaguely ringing a bell, but only vaguely. So I'll take your word for it. Okay. It's at least 20 years old. I haven't thought about it. Anyway, I, I just, that's the only thing that came to mind off the top of my head. I do think it's worth giving credit to anything that will disabuse you of your optimism of human nature. (laughs) (laughs) Given that somehow you still have it in in the midst of a week where we watched a police officer shoot a man in the back seven times after he broke up a, a fight and then had another white man show up to people who were protesting that, um, killing, and shoot them for doing that. Your faith in, in optimism in human nature is even more intensely bewildering to me. <laughs> I was going to use the word pathological, and I don't think that's, that's entirely okay. inaccurate. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it, it might get me in trouble one day, but at the same time, it has, it's, it's, it's one of those traits. There are a lot of traits like that, right? Where they have the good side and the bad side. The bad side is that I could easily wander into a situation like this, but there's a good side as well. And so, you know, we don't want to dismiss the power of believing in the goodness of humanity. No, no, we don't. That may be a reasonable note to end it on, frankly. (laughs) You don't want to rehash up in smoke or whatever the fuck they, (laughs) whatever the art, what's the book? 
smoke something. Oh, human smoke. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. No, we don't. But we could. (laughs) You're right. This would be a good launching pad for that. Read human smoke. It was so good. We'll just throw that in. Uh, Right. And when fascism comes to the United States in November, we could relitigate it again. (laughs) I'm sorry. Fascism is perpetuated, not not arrives. There was something else I was going to say. You, um, dang it. Oh, I was going to say, I did. I do want to give credit. And I mean, I said that jokingly, but I get why you would enjoy it. And that's, that's good. And that's worth acknowledging. And I was also going to say that I don't know. I mean, it's been now since it came out 99, I guess, 20 years since. So Primal Fear must be 25 years. And anyway, Blair Witch came out and I don't know if it had any big societal commentary either any more so than what you were saying about naivete or innocence or the insulation of privilege or whatever it is. But I guess what Blair Witch did for me, at least when I saw it, was it in a similar way for you is, is at that point it confronted me with the notion that uh, we live in a society that would go see, including myself, would go see basically a snuff film. It was marketed, right? (laughs) Uh, And I mean, I guess that's what a lot of internet traffic is um, driven by. So I don't know if it's a lot of commentary, but the fact that it was marketed as this is real and this is found footage and we are going to, we're going to show this, these deaths of these kids I guess it's not really necessarily a snuff film, but as close as it could be without being a snuff film. So somehow there was like an ethical loophole to release it in the theaters. That was, that was at least as frightening to me as the content of the film. Even well, that's not true. I particularly back then I being lost in the woods at night. It's pretty primal fear. I don't know why that didn't really do anything for me here. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad to have watched a couple of movies for you. I'm glad you got a, great terrifying experience out of it i oh that was the last thing i was gonna say i I promise is i also i had a terrible viewing experience of it my main media computer that's hooked up to like my tv and my stereo and all that no apparent reason is not working just like 10 minutes in just blipped off and that's it so uh, i ended up watching it on my laptop and it's in the day and I don't know. It was, so it was, that didn't, surely didn't help. Surely yeah, that's very help. different. I had a, like an anxiety filled evening and then was watching it by myself because I couldn't sleep because of my anxiety filled day in the dark at like 10 o'clock at night. That was yeah. very different. Yeah. So, so that, that, that matters too. Well, thank you for watching them because I found them impactful. And I just, honestly, I wanted to podcast on them because I thought, there are very well maybe people listening out here who've heard enough of what I've said to resonate with me. And in that case, this film might really resonate with them and they might really like it. And I, I wanted to just put that on people's radar or these films, I guess. Hey, and I have a feeling that this will be worth having done when they release the third one. Cause I'll either get to rant for an hour and a half about how it was all terrible or we can really dig into how phenomenal they were able to tie it all together and and make some extraordinary commentary that 
they set themselves up for by virtue of digging themselves into this rabbit hole. So there's hope. We'll see. Well, it was fun anyway. Yeah. We never graded it. So glad you remember that. Cause I feel like it's been in like the last three times I've totally forgotten about it. Okay. Grading the film. I'm torn because I, I honestly feel empty on it in a lot of ways, except that one note, which like I said, hit really well for me, but for the most part, it felt lacking in congruent commentary, even though I enjoyed it. And it, like I said, it, it, it had a conversation with my own head that was helpful, but in terms of looking at it as a piece of art, that's meant to give something to the world more broadly, I think it was empty in a lot of ways, but fun. I enjoyed it. You know, I thought it was, it made me laugh. It was, I was engaged and scared and whatever. So it was a good experience, but I do feel like it was largely lacking. So I don't think I would go higher than like a C maybe. I wouldn't C plus, I don't know. I wouldn't put it, I don't think it was trouble in terms of the commentary it made. And I do think there were pieces there that resonated with me, but I don't want to elevate it to the level of a film that really makes a societal impact because I just don't think it did. C plus. I would not give it a passing grade. I would give it a passing grade. I would not give it better than a, than a D plus because it felt very much to me. Like if I looked at this, like I look at a paper, I feel like this is the film that was written the night before by somebody who could be a decent student, but just totally blew it off and like kind of scraped together enough because they have some kind of potential or skill or talent, but just never put in the, the planning or the work or the diligence. And ultimately what I see is, is more wasted opportunity than I see productive effort on the page. I couldn't give it a grade that would give them credit for whatever. Like you said, it wasn't like, I guess I don't think I have ethical issues with it in terms of it being offensive, but I, I made, yeah, like a D. It's like there are pieces there. I, I don't think I would fail it. That's where I'm at. I agree with a lot of that, but I was the right audience. Yeah. So I'm going to go higher because I, I saw what I think they were trying to say. And, but I will admit, I'm not even totally sure they were trying to say it. And if they were, they could have said it better. But still, I was the right audience. So I'm going to go a little higher. That's good. Yeah. And I would also say, like, if this were a film in my class... I would be like, if you have sat through this much of my class and you still think that this is going to get you a C minus, you really haven't been paying attention. <laughs> if, you, if your cynicism in, in human nature hasn't already been <laughs> been fully reinforced and, and uh, bolstered, then I, I don't know what you're doing. So I, I'm so I'm glad you had a good experience. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm, for lack of anything else, it was, I am interested to see the third one. I thought the actress was phenomenal. She, she had charisma. She was like, she seemed real. She did all the things that I think the first guy didn't do, where I just felt like, okay, I, I, she's appropriately hesitant and negotiating with herself and also kind of being sucked in and... She she just did all the things right. So I'm I'm happy to have seen her as an actress. I'm curious what else she is going to do or has done. Good. Good. Okay, well, we appreciate you joining us for Creep and Creep 2. 
horror films are our collective nightmares. Come join us for a tubby. <laughs> uh, we so promise cool. we won't hurt you. <laughs> oh, there you <laughs> Not go. Not in the good. next 24 hours. That's good. That's great. Do you want to say, like, again, like, give us a listen?